From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. And a special hello to all of you, of course, catching us on the podcast, TalkZone.com, the app, of course, the Conspiracy Show app, available for iPod and Androids. And those of you, of course, watching us on the uh, the YouTube live stream and participating in the live chat, wherever and however you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Open lines, now, until the bottom of the hour. Here's how it works. It's real simple. You call in, and we chat. We can talk conspiracy, political subterfuge, geopolitics. We can talk the paranormal. It's all up to you. All right. You know, it's funny. I noticed someone on the YouTube live chat was kind of taken aback that I was taking a bite out of my tomato. In case you're just joining us, uh, the tomato was the hidden object in our What's in the Box, our weekly remote viewing experiment. I plucked it from our garden today, a nice ripe tomato, one of the first big ones off the vine. We've had so much rain up here this year, and it's been so cool that I was starting to wonder if they would ever ripen, but they're slowly coming around now. Someone mentioned that it looked like a Fukushima tomato. Come on. I don't know. It's not an heirloom, but it's it's about as organic as you can get, folks. No pesticide and uh, grown with the sweat of my brow. I'm kind of proud of it. Anyway, I couldn't stand tomatoes as a kid, and now I can't get enough of them. And I'll actually I'll grab one off the vine and just eat it like an apple. Delish. Oh, just a reminder. Coming up in the uh, at the bottom of the hour, comedian, a cast member from the Royal Canadian Air Force, Alan Park, will be with us. Alan, of course, was also the uh, the host of a very popular podcast called Conspiracy Queries that aired for a time, I believe, on Sirius XM. And uh, he has a new podcast, and it's sort of a whole new direction, chronicling his amazing journey fighting back cancer, not once, but twice, I believe. In uh, both times, the prognosis was not good, but he is still standing, and uh, he'll talk about his new podcast, which is called Green Crush. He'll talk about his battle with cancer and uh, cannabis oil. All right, uh, let's uh, begin, and we'll dive into the phones as we begin our open line segment, and we say hello to Maureen. Is it Maureen in Barrie? Yeah, that's right. Hi, Maureen. Is it Hi. Maureen or Maureen? Maureen. Maureen, hey. Yeah, <laughs> Anyhow, what I'm calling about is about six weeks ago, I used my cell phone as a clock because it's more accurate, constantly keeps excellent time on that, eh? So I took a, a glance at it and it said 10.03. Well, as I'm putting it down, I notice it now says 10.02. Hmm. So I'm watching and watching, and yeah, it goes back to 10.03. So I thought, okay, I must have just misread it wrong. Well, about two weeks after that, I'm waiting for... A bus. Now in Barrie, <coughs> we have transfers that uh, if you can get on and off the bus and do your business, get back on the bus within an hour and a half, it's free. So I'm waiting for the bus, and I've seen it's been waiting for a while, so I check my phone, and the thing says <coughs> 848. And, uh, Seriously? 848? Right. 848. And I'm thinking, that's not right, because it was 930 when I left where I had finished my business, eh? And earlier, you said it was 10.03 before that. Oh, no, this was a few weeks ago. Oh, I'm sorry, you lost a minute, but now it started at 9.38, and it rolled back to 8.48? No, it, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, I finished my business, it was about 9.30, I'm out waiting for the bus, to take a look at my phone, it says 8.48. 
So I mean, that can't be right. So I checked it again, and yes, it says 8.48. And, uh, well, I'm waiting for the bus, or waiting and looking in that time to <clears throat> see the bus coming. And all of a sudden, the bus is there. And she just drives right past. Well, fortunately, she had a red light, so I went over pounding the door. And she says, no, you have to be at the bus stop. And I said, I was at the bus stop. She didn't see you. Yeah. And <laughs> the, the final nail in the coffin, so to speak, was two weeks ago. Again, this is concerning buses and that. I had a day pass, which meant I could get on the bus as often as I liked for the one fare. So I get on the bus, and the couple that gets on behind me, an older couple, um, he deposits money, gets transfers, and about a minute later he goes back up to the bus driver and says, these transfers are an hour and a half old. Oh, get out of town. already expired. Get out of town. And there's just no way that uh, anyone could have tampered with the fare box because it's all locked up, and the only one that's got a key, they can't even replace uh, the transfers and that. Right, right. And it didn't even occur to me until a little while ago that <clears throat> if I had not had the day pass and I had paid the money, I would be the one with the expired transfers. Well, and I should point out, uh, Maureen and Barry, as you're discussing this disappearing time that's happening to you, I think it's important for clarity to point out when you mention a day pass, you're talking about a bus pass and not the other kind of day pass, which may <laughs> undermine your story if you, if you catch my, grip, my drift. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I've, I've spoken to you once before, and I figure you think I'm a bit of a, a flake. But trust no, me, no, no, no. You sound anything, but you sound, you sound very genuine, uh, Maureen. I have no cause to doubt you. What do you think is going on? I don't know. Uh, but I, thinking back on it, I have had instances in that where this has occurred before. But I haven't been really aware of it until I started reading up on the Mandela effect. Ah, yes. And while I think a lot of the stuff on the Mandela effect can be disproved. I mean, it's possible this is what's happening because I remember the uh, Monopoly game and the, the little man having a monocle, but I thought to myself, well, maybe they just rebranded it. Oh, you mean on the uh, on the box? That's right. The man yeah. with the top hat was yeah. had a monocle. Hmm, yeah. interesting. Trying to make it look more modern or something, so I didn't... Right. No, as I said, there's things that can be disproved, but the this thing with the time has got me. I can't it's, see it, any alternative to it. And it almost seems to be ramping up because first it was just a, 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 a short little time dilation, if you will. It yeah. went from 10.03 to 10.02, and then then it went from 9.30 to 8.48, and then the next thing you know, they, they can't see you at the bus stop, and then your transfer is an hour and a half out of date. What's next? Yeah, like this is it. As I said... <clears throat> it was the couple that was behind me that got the transfers that were an hour and a half behind. But uh, had I paid for the fare, right? then it would have been mine again. <laughs> and I'd still be looking like a nut. <laughs> oh, dear. Listen, uh, let you know, check in with us, um, you know, if this ever happens again. This is... Yeah. Are you documenting this, writing these down? No, actually, I should, though. You certainly should. Mind you, if I, if I wrote down everything that's ha- happened to me, I'd be right up there with the with Sylvia Brown and that for experiences. Well, there may be a book there, Maureen. I think everyone has a book in them. <laughs> everyone. So. All right, Maureen. Thank you. That was that's fascinating and a little scary, quite frankly. Yeah, it is to me too. When you start to wonder what the heck is happening. All right. Well, listen, Maureen. Don't go anywhere. I mean, 
we'll, we'll end the phone call, but I mean, you know, don't go anywhere, if you, if you know what I'm saying. And please um, uh, check in with us from time to time and let us know that you haven't disappeared. <laughs> Will do. All right, Maureen. Okay, thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That, I tell you, that has to be one of the most fascinating calls that we have taken in a long, long time. All right. Uh, t- to uh, Travis in Colorado. Travis, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Good morning. Great. Great, Richard. Thanks for having me on the program. And whereabouts in Colorado are you calling from? Uh, I'm in Denver. Ah, in Denver. Excellent. All right. How are things in Denver? Pretty good. (laughs) Weather's nice right now. Good, good. Okay. So, what's Uh, on your mind, Travis? Yeah, so actually I just wanted to piggyback off of Dr. Epstein. He made a greater point about uh, controlling the narrative being sort of the end game, and I think that's exactly right. Um, He did seem a little light on um, why Google might be doing this or why the industry as a whole may be acting that way, and I wanted to maybe uh, shed some light on some more... uh, and you're referring to, for those just joining us, we had Dr. Robert Epstein on earlier. He's a, a psychologist, a former editor-in-chief of Psychology Today, and um, he's been railing really against not only censorship at, at Google, uh, and there's a number of ways that they do that. One of the ways is, of course, they can uh, manipulate their algorithms. So on your search engine, certain websites are excluded, or as he pointed out, certain businesses essentially are blacklisted. Right. Um, so... Um, what do you, go ahead, Travis. What did you want to say sure. about that? So, um, first of all, it's industry-wide. It's not limited to Google. Uh, it all does kind of tie together with some um, similar players. Uh, Mozilla actually adopted uh, several of its um, behavioral policies from a site. If you use direct quotes from those policies, they trace back to a site called Geek Feminism that was written uh, by Valerie Aurora, who ran a feminist organization called the Ada Initiative, uh, that is open source and tech focused. Okay. Um, it's sort of a women in tech kind of um, advocacy type group. All right. And um, and so essentially, a guy named Eric S. Raymond, who is a fairly famous software developer, and uh, he made NetHack and did. A, he's an open source advocate. He put out a blog post actually this week. Um, warning male open source leaders and senior figures in tech not to be alone at conferences because um, he his sources are telling him that um, things like the the ADA, the ADA initiative are actually out um, quote collecting scalps. So oh dear. Yeah. So these sort of like radical people are really trying to inject themselves into the industry and they have in many ways so this is part of uh, what i call the sort of the uh, the cultural marxism that is infiltrating yeah. virtually every aspect of of our society in western civilization right. and it hates western civilization uh it um, hates capitalism and uh, so but why would google i mean <laughs> why would google participate in something like that they're making money well, hand over fist they're certainly well, they're, they, that doesn't mean they're free enterprisers, that's for sure. Anyway, listen, Travis, hold on. I'm going to take a time out. I'll come back to you on the other side, okay? Interesting call. Okay, sure. Great points. All right. Open Lines continues. Loose lips sink ships. And sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740. 
or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Hey, Ryan, YouTube is Google, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So, what? okay, let's go around the table here. What are the odds that uh, this this program is going to be demonetized? What would you say, Ryan? Well, I'm going to try to tag it very carefully <laughs> and not say, like, oh, evil Google in, in the title and thumbnail. All right. But we'll see. Okay. What do you think, Albert? Well, I, I think Dr. Epstein has integrity because he's, he's boycotting. Like he, There was no reply to Gmail. Then I wrote to Hotmail, and there was a reply within the next five minutes. Oh, he does because he won't use Gmail, of course. Yeah, yeah. he won't use Gmail. So, right. so, I mean, that's even though he didn't answer, I mean, that's one good way you could defend yourself, just, you know, boycott Google. No, but I, what I'm saying is, no, there's no question that he has integrity, and there's no question that this is an important issue, and news outlets all over the world are reporting on it. I mean, it's on the record. It's, you know, this, these are the accusations. But my my question to you is, <laughs> let's see, you know, I, 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 it'll be interesting. I'm I'm betting you this will be demonetized. We'll see. We'll see what I can do with the tagging and whatnot. All right. Yeah, it's, a, it's another issue for Trump. It's, it's the same when FDR, you know, broke up anything that gets too big. Well, it was uh, it was um, Teddy Roosevelt who did that, broke up Standard Oil. A lot of good that did. <laughs> All right, let's uh, – oh, Travis is still on hold from Denver, Colorado, and he was uh, addressing uh, uh, the motivation, why Google is, is censoring and manipulating uh, the message. Do you think they should be uh, or will they be um, basically classified as a utility and um, come under regulation, perhaps broken up the way that the AT&T was? Um, you know, that, that might be part of the, part of the strategy. I mean, if I was actually going to touch on that point, um, you know, if the strategy is to inject themselves as deeply as possible into these companies, making it a utility might just make it all the more easy for them to control the narrative. I mean, at that point, it's going to be very hard to root out people who have been involved in the process for, as long as some of these people have. And, I mean, some of the people that Google has associated itself with are, are not great folks, you know? I mean, right. Um, and uh, to your point about YouTube, I'm not sure if you're aware of this new unreachable state, uh, the limited state that they've just implemented, but um, it's basically a sort of, um, sort of the phantom zone from Superman that they put Zod in. Essentially, that's what happens <laughs> here. That's what happens to your video. It's, uh, it's a sort of new. I think it's within the last couple of weeks they've implemented it, where essentially your video can't be linked, shared, uh, commented on, subscribed to anything. It's just um, stuck. And there are already a couple of videos that have fallen to that. Um, All right. Well, that's kind of a, maybe a, a badge of honor. Let's see if we can. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Well, listen, obviously, uh, this is a huge issue. And, and uh, if you can't talk about this sort of thing, that just, oh, that only, you know, speaks to the, the, the control that Google, in fact, does have. Travis, great call. Uh, I appreciate you uh, checking in with us. I hope we'll, uh, you'll call again. For sure. Uh, I'd like to make one more point about the blackballing. Okay. That's not just speculation. There are actually people associated with Google who are on record talking about DeMore and saying, you know, you'll never be hired at our company, and the companies are talking. These are all tweets you can look up. 
Right. So there is conversation between these people to make sure that any unwanted elements are kept out. Well, it's interesting, just kind of a final point, and thanks for the call, Travis. It's almost like Google is the microcosm of what's going on throughout society. When you have someone, this uh, Dan Moore gentleman who was fired because he was trying to help the company, he wrote this memo basically trying to demonstrate to Google that their diversity philosophy is misguided, which is true. I mean, we... We're so hyper-focused now on this word diversity, the superficial level of diversity, right? Dr. King King wanted us to judge each other by our character, not the color of our skin. But now the color of our skin seems to be tantamount. It seems to be a priority, not only in uh, certain places of work, but also in academia. All this poor employee was trying to point out is what about the most important kind of diversity, and that's the diversity of opinion. And for that, he was fired, which is, I don't know, they seem to have some sort of an irony deficiency over there at Google where they, they couldn't see the, the irony of that situation. All right, Travis, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Richard. All right, let's go to uh, Fred in Buffalo. Hey, Fred, welcome. I listen to you quite often, and I really wasn't going to call in, but then something strange happened while I was listening to you and the young lady before which, before the your last gentleman. Oh, Maureen and Maureen and Barry, who was experiencing some rather bizarre time slips. Well, speaking of time slips, while you were broadcasting your conversation with her, towards the last minute or two of your conversation, all of a sudden. The show prior to you, Big Band, Sunday night, was broadcasting in the background from previously. Really? On my radio. So it's like, as she's talking, you could hear it. I'm like, oh, this has just got to be something, you know, it. But then all of a sudden, when she stopped talking and hung up, it stopped. Well, let's just check in with my producer. Ian, is that possible? So it wasn't going, Big Band Sunday night wasn't going out over the uh, the feed, right? No, but the thing is... It can be AM sound waves that bounce around the world, right? Right. But I don't know. Could be his radio having a time slip. His radio was having a time slip. There's a thought. Well, yeah, it was just kind of strange that while she's talking about it, because I listened to that show also before you. Right. And the parts that were playing were from way back in the beginning of his show. Interesting, interesting. For those uh, who are listening to this uh, program on one of our affiliates and they don't listen to it on Zoomer Radio, our flagship station, Big Band Sunday Night with George Janescu, that's the show uh, that precedes this one. Uh, So Fred is saying that uh, during our conversation with Maureen, who was talking about time slips, you actually heard Big Band Sunday Night from earlier in the evening coming through the radio. (laughs) Absolutely, and that's the only reason I called in, because I figured, you know, it's like, this is just too weird to be going on right now, you know, especially, you know, because that was the topic you were talking about, so I figured I would, you know, let you know that it happened. I appreciate that, Fred, in Buffalo. Thank you for uh, for your ears and, uh, and uh, drawing that to my attention. If there's anyone else out there who heard Big Band Sunday Night playing... During my conversation with Maureen, as she was discussing time slips, you know, give us a call because uh, we, we could use some corroborating evidence for Fred in Buffalo. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Just a reminder, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Alan Park, his uh, new podcast is called Green Crush, and we'll, t- we'll talk how he conquered cancer uh, not once but twice, I believe. Uh, let's check in with Alaska, and Alan is joining us. Hello, Alan. Good morning. 
Hi, Richard. Hi Good there. evening. And whereabouts are you in Alaska, Alan? Uh, about 100 miles from Fairbanks. All right. So um, give us a bit of a geography lesson. Is that the uh, – what, what, what part of the state is that? Central? Uh, we're kind of in the eastern part of the state. Uh, it's not it, – I'm closer to the Yukon or, or uh, Northwest Territories than I am the rest of the United States. I'm pretty close to uh, northern Canada. Ah, okay. And what do you do up there in, near Fairbanks, uh, Alan? Uh, I, uh, I, I work uh, as, uh, in security. Okay. And how's the summer been up there? It's been uh, nice, as it always is, cool and very rainy, a lot cooler than normal and, and wetter than normal. We only get normally about 11 inches of rain. We've got, uh, I don't know how many inches, but we've, we've had a wet summer. Well, the same, same as down here in Toronto. All right, Alan, what, what's on your mind tonight, this morning? Well, well, I was going to ask you early on, I was just wanted curious what you've been thinking about all these, uh, these rallies, freedom rallies and whatnot, being canceled because of, uh, of uh, left-wing pressure. And it kind of tied in with the cultural Marxism you were talking about a bit, because if you watch the news and everything, the media and Google, uh, it's kind of like if you control uh, all media sources, you control reality, you control what people think, which I see happening uh, more and more, uh, seems like. Uh, it does. It is worrisome. If any of these crazy groups, if they're hurting people, if they're rioting, if they're tearing stuff up and hurting people, whether they're left-wing or right-wing, they're terrorists. But that's the definition of terrorism, trying to get your aims by violence. Absolutely. Violence and intimidation. Intimidation is also, you know, you don't have to be violent in order to intimidate people. Uh, you just have to be aggressive. And we're seeing that. Obviously, you know, you can't say it enough. The white supremacists and the neo-Nazis, they are the, you know, the scum of the earth. But, and I, as soon as I say but, I'm sure people are going to take exception. Oh, you can't draw moral equivalence. All right, fine. You can't draw moral equivalence. But we also have to talk about, prior to Charlottesville, what's been going on around the country in the United States on college campuses where these anarchists, left-wing, extreme left-wing groups, Antifa certainly has been part of it, have been utilizing tactics that are odious and dangerous and destruction of uh, public property, attacking. And we're not talking about attacking white supremacists and neo-Nazis, listen, as my father used to say, who fought in the Second World War, I like my Nazis swinging from the lamppost. All right, but I'm talking about people who are guilty of nothing more than having a conservative viewpoint, being denied the right not only to speak at a college campus, but also even appear not to speak. This is odious. And uh, I, I read with interest recently there were 200,000 signatures on a petition to declare Antifa a terrorist organization. That'll be interesting to follow. But I am concerned about how now all conservative or anything that's perceived as right-wing, whatever that means these days, is considered hate speech. And this is dangerous. This is dangerous. There was a prayer rally in San Francisco that was canceled. And even Nancy Pelosi was basically referring to it as hate speech. It was a prayer rally. Is this really where we're at in 2017? Unfortunately, yes. And it's scary. Every time it's mentioned, it's called a right-wing rally, even though it was, a, like you say, a prayer rally. Well, even if it was a right-wing rally, and this bears repeating, and I've mentioned it a number of times, and I, you know, people like Dinesh D'Souza have done great work on this, and others. But when you take a conservative and you move him to the right, you don't get a fascist. Fascism is born from extreme left-wing ideology. Mussolini was 
of course, the founder of fascism. He wrote for a socialist uh, magazine. He was a Marxist. He wrote a lengthy review of FDR's New Deal. He was very complimentary. FDR sent Democratic administration, a group of them, over to Italy to examine this wonderful progressive named Mussolini and his programs. There was a mutual admiration society. When Mussolini marched on Rome in 1922, Vladimir Lenin, the newly uh, revolutionary leader of the Soviet Union, sent him a note of congratulation. Why? Because they were fellow travelers. Hitler was the leader of the German Workers' Party, later the German National Socialist Party. Fascism comes from the left. Not the right. If you take a conservative, and I think this was one of Dinesh D'Souza's point, if you take a conservative and you move him to the right, to the right, to the right, what does he do? Does he turn into a fascist? No. He's probably pulling stop signs out of the ground because he wants less and less government. It needs to be pointed out. We're not talking about liberals here. Conservatives and liberals have tremendous common ground. In fact, what's interesting is the classical liberal, the woman or man who used to stand up and say, I don't like what you're saying, but I will defend to the death your right to say it, that is now an idea that is being held by conservatives. Today's conservatives are actually classical liberals. The world is upside down. A libertarian. Indeed. Alan, thank sure. you for uh, checking in, and uh, all the best for you. Great show. Thank you. Bye. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Uh, Mark is in New York. The final oh, call to you. Chesapeake Bay, down, uh, down in Southern Maryland. Oh, Ma Southern Maryland. Welcome, welcome. Yes. And I uh, was letting you know that you're a listener from New York. I heard the same thing. I'm listening uh, over the Skywave AM740. And uh, George Janescu's program started to just bleed in over your show and finally completely drowned it out for about two minutes and then faded away. I never heard that before. And that was while I was talking to Maureen uh, from Barry about, the, the about time, time slips. slips. Yeah, so I was maybe it was Maureen. Your... Maybe it was Maureen because maybe Maureen. She's, maybe it was. I don't know, but I I do appreciate that she uh, called in. I, I that's a new one on me. And you were saying that the the big band Sunday night show was playing over this show for about two minutes. Well, yeah, but it wasn't. It didn't pop on. It started to fade in like a faraway station, and then it got. It finally just took over the sound, and then it faded away. Interesting. Yet we and didn't hear that here on the on our on air feed. Interesting. Well, that's just what we heard out here on the Skywave. I appreciate you checking in with that story, Mark, in uh, Chesapeake Bay, beautiful, beautiful part of the country. Thank you for this. You're welcome. Have a good night. Keep up the good work. Same to you, my friend. All right, comedian Alan Park. A new podcast to tell you about called Green Crush. Here's a clue: cancer. Cannabis oil. I'm not telling you one cures the other. Can't do that. But he'll tell you his story on the other side. Stay with us. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. Well, this is going to be a, a remarkable half hour, I think, uh, from a remarkable... A young man, Alan Park, is uh, an actor, writer, known, of course, for his uh, uh, work on the Royal Canadian Air Farce, the long-running sketch comedy program up here in Canada, the Wall of Comedy, uh, pop-cultured, with over three decades of stand-up comedy experience and multiple seasons as a principal on the CBC Television's Royal Canadian Air Force. Alan Park 
uh, brings a wry wit and a spot-on comic observation to some of the darkest, scariest things out there, things other shows don't even want to ask. And, of course, he is uh, also the host of the uh, the podcast Conspiracy Queries, which ran for a, a while on Sirius XM. He's got a brand-new podcast out called Green Crush, and he's here to tell about his uh, remarkable battle, uh, one that he appears to be winning, uh, a battle with cancer. Alan Park, great to have you on The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm very well. I'm happy to say the numbers are great. How about that Trump? <laughs> How about that Trump? There? Why did I come back for this? <laughs> you know, I was on the other half, right? I was, I was going down the chute. I was circling the drain like a penny at the carnival when it comes out of those gumball machines, and I was almost at the end of the spiral. It was just about at the bottom, and we had Harper and Bill C-51, and it was terrible, and everybody was saying, Justin, Justin, let's change the whole thing. And now they've changed the whole thing, and now I'm back, and I kind of don't know why I'm doing that sometimes. I've asked the Prime Minister to look in, by the way. I hope you're looking, sir. I know when I contacted you, it said, you got to wait a week before you reply to these type of emails, but I hope you're catching the show anyway. Having a good summer. Alan, I'm, I'm concerned about your lack of energy. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's begin with your diagnosis. What type of cancer did you have, and when was that diagnosis made? Well, November 20th, 2013, was the culmination of a gradual and building year of pain uh, beyond all description. And I'm not saying that for sympathy, although I might have at the time if I had the balls to come out and tell people I'd been stricken. But to be honest, I was petrified. So there's a lot of people out there that have this thing that are petrified. I know that because I was one, and I've managed to do things about it. So there's a lot of people maybe listening to this right now or watching this, and, and uh, I hear you, it's really scary, but um, I can guarantee it's way better to just say, hey, I've got this, help me out. And what kind of cancer was it? Stage 4 prostate that had already metastasized into much of my bones. They called it aggressive and advanced. Stage 4? Yeah. So the prognosis was what? Well, I got diagnosed November 20th, and then they have to, you know, that's a pretty dire diagnosis you'll have to. Yeah, stage four. So they want to leap right into action and get on it with the specialist. And so then five weeks later, five weeks later, I'm going to see the specialist. Before I got there, though, I decided to do cannabis oil. And we can get into that in any detail you like, but just to say, fast forward and try to, you know, put people's mind at ease. As soon as I got the diagnosis, I was aware that I needed to do this. It was in the news. I'd heard about it. And to be quite honest, something came into my head and said, you need to get involved in medical cannabis. And I kind of argued with it. You know, I said, but I haven't smoked a joint in a long. doesn't matter. You need to get into medical cannabis. And that was just before the diagnosis. And uh, so I did. I procured it three days after the uh, after the diagnosis. I went to YouTube, thanks, and um, Googled up how to do this and uh, to make the oil. And I was petrified because of the steps involved. And then I started taking it. And three days later, I was I was kind of out of pain for the first time in many many months. And then uh, on the way to this uh, urgently uh, necessarily scheduled thing, five weeks later, uh, somewhere in between Christmas and New Year's, I think it was. Um, I got the news uh, that that it was stage four and it was so aggressive. Had a PSA level of 700. Um, I guess a lot of my, maybe a lot of the listeners don't know if they're if they're younger or 
or if they're female, sometimes they don't know, but the PSA score is a prostate-specific antigen, and I had a 700. Not good. Now, you're supposed to top out at around 2.53, 4 of the max. Mm. The big thing is when it doubles. If you ride a 4 and I ride a 2, you're okay, but if I double over to the 4, maybe I have a problem. So anyway, that's immaterial when you're at 700. So, and I'm laughing because I got it, because I'm here, because I earned it, because I got it back. But um, it was funny to find out that after five weeks of taking this regular oil, before I got to the expert diagnosis slash prognosis, before I got to be told, uh, you know, what the options were or weren't going to be, this is immediately on the heels of the diagnosis. Right. And they were recommending aggressive, what, radiation, chemotherapy? No, before we get to that, though, I'm saying my PSA had had been knocked down to 374, and this puzzled the fellow no end. And so at that meeting, uh, he then, I, you know, what, what am I good for? What are we going to do here? And he uh, informed me that I was uh, well beyond the use of chemotherapy. Well beyond. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, was too, I was too far beyond for that. And radiation, there was nothing available for me in a, um, in a restorative sense. So he said, go home and get your things in order. Yeah, he gave me about 10 to 12 months, so that would have put it at uh, Halloween or Christmas that year. That would have been 2014. So I'm looking forward to the third anniversary of my third of my <laughs> funeral this year. How do you take the cannabis oil? Uh, anally. Um, and it's so, a family show, Alan. <laughs> I do, though. It's called the suppository. Okay. It's a suppository. And uh, I also take it in, a, in an oral sense. Now, you don't just take it all the time. It comes in a course. It's called Rick Simpson Oil for a reason. Rick Simpson. That name is familiar. Uh, He's Canadian. Yeah. And wasn't he sort of exiled in Eastern Europe at one point? Uh, At one point, and I don't think he's very welcome right now from what I know. I haven't been able to speak to him. I sure would like to say thank you, though, because he's got a crazy little recipe that worked really well for me. And how did you, are you able to tell us how you got it? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. So you have to obtain cannabis. And you have to get it right now because you're at stage four and there's nothing else going on. And even if you're going to get top flight care, which I had to wait five weeks to find out I wasn't going to have any of that, Mm -hmm. um, you want to get busy because by the time they retest you to commence the conventional treatment, um, you're going to have different numbers and you're going to know why that is. So you can't really lose anything. People say, people, uh, you know, they get really uptight about the, the whole allopathic thing. You should listen to your doctor. And I say, I did listen to my doctor. He gave me no option. But I had already started doing this before the, right, the right. official, you know, what are we going to do? What's our plan? Right. And you see the results. I mean, I was out of pain. I was able to lift my legs again and, and bend down to the floor, all kinds of things that had been dwindling away from me all summer. We have uh, mutual friends that were with you while you were on death's door. So I know yeah. this this is the real deal. This is legit. So Yeah, two bounces. That was, uh, you, you kept saying in the intro, I think it was twice. It was twice, yeah. All right, let, we're going to take a time out. Uh, Alan, sure. stay with us. I mean that for a long, long time. We'll uh, come back and continue to talk about cannabis oil and cancer. Alan Park stays with us, and we'll tell you about his new podcast, Green Crush. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are back with Alan Park, comedian, 
former cast member of the Royal Canadian Air Force and uh, the host of the podcast Conspiracy Queries. He has a new one uh, called Green Crush. He's here telling us about his uh, battle uh, with cancer. Battle, he kicked its ass. And uh, we are discussing the possible role uh, that cannabis oil uh, played in his recovery. Is Are you cancer-free now, Alan? This is a bit of an unknown because I go for blood tests on a regular basis and all my numbers are testing normally and everything's fine, but I have to keep going because once you ding the stage four bell, you got to keep showing up for class or then you might get worried about you. Uh, and so do you, do you remain on the, the Rick Simpson oil regimen as a precaution or how does that work? Yeah, I go on and off of it in a, in a, you know, as long as you're sort of, a, reinflating the bag every once in a while so to speak i mean i did the course the course is a 90-day course initially and uh, that's 60 grams of consumption of this oil now we can talk about the numbers and everything but basically you're taking one plant which reduces down to one pound is one plant and one plant is 60 grams and you whistle that in over 90 days there's a lot of really neat even numbers there and um it's really effective if you keep at it but basically what we don't seem to realize and what we don't hear while the policy is being said about how we're going to be arresting more people and we're, you know, these people that are setting the agenda for cannabis moving forward are self-proclaimed, uh, they don't use it. They're avowed non-users, which is kind of like having a sommelier at the liquor store who doesn't drink. <laughs> so we got to, we got to take the, we got to have the different perception here that the folks that don't want it and don't like it and don't understand it are the ones setting policy. So, I had to do that right away. I didn't have to fill out forms and wait. I just had to jump in because I was going to die real soon. And when you realize that, that the paperwork is a formality, if I waited for it, I could have waited three or four months before I was legal. Right. So, you know, it's, it's kind of important. But the, the thing I wanted to get at scientifically was that we have these systems in our body. We, we have our, our digestive system and our cardiopulmonary system and our, our lymphatic system and the electromagnetic system of all the impulses in our body, but we also have an endocannabinoid system. And um, this is a documented fact. It's been known for years, since the 60s. Um, and, and this thing is basically starved to death in your body if you don't consume this stuff. This is a food. So there are receptors. There are, there are cannabis receptors, receptors in the body. In the yeah. body. And it's like being a vegan who insists on being a vegan and then doesn't compensate that he's not getting B12. Hmm. So you have to go and get B12 somewhere or you're going to get deficient. And when you get deficient, you get ill. Right. And I think that's what happens to pretty much everybody because it's an illegal. Now, the, the second uh, diagnosis, you, you were diagnosed with cancer again. Yeah. Well, I had a great year coming out of it. So I was originally stricken in 13. Uh, 14 was great by Easter. I couldn't believe how magical and 100% things were. Um, but then it's true I did start to slide down again at the end of the year. And after into the new year of 15, I was crashing hard and harder than ever. Um, I subsequently found out that the, the oil I was taking at the time was from a, a less than potent batch. Uh, at the same time, the cancer was kicking back in, and I plummeted further. Now my PSA is at uh, 11.95, 1,200. Oh, my gosh. And I got diagnosed at a different hospital. I wanted to get into a different system, so I headed over to Durham County outside of Toronto mm -hmm. uh, and not get involved with my old records because I had a funny feeling, you know, that they'd more scold me for disappearing for 10 months than, uh, <laughs> than help me out. So, and, and I got a great ride out there at the uh, Rouge Valley Hospital system. They were fantastic. But uh, that doctor said he could do things and help me. So I took a shot of radiation at one point in my back. Um, 
about 30 times what Rob Ford took over a month, apparently, I learned mm. later. And uh, that fried it. And, and, but here's the thing. That was only supposed to last for five to seven months as pain relief. And then every time you do it, the months are consecutively shorter. And uh, I've never gone back. So that's been, that's been over two So years you were now. able to determine... How were you able to determine that the batch of cannabis oil that wasn't working and that it was not a, 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 a properly concentrated oil? It's so easy you can't believe it because once you're up and acclimatized to the oil, you, you lose a lot of the sensation of being high per se. You know, you're, you, that's the whole point. You're taking it in such a nominal dose that you then begin to tolerate it like a guy that drinks a lot. I can't only have a couple of beers myself. Somebody else can hold six or seven and, you know, mm -hmm. if I did that, I'd be on my face. You know what I mean? Right. So. There's different strengths of it. So what happened was, when, once I was sick and collapsed and the whole thing and went for the whole hospital ride and, and, and managed to get out again sometime around uh, uh, early May and get back on my feet at 135 pounds. I'm six foot, by the way. That's no good. No. Um, by the time that happened, I realized to go back and test that stuff. Now, I hadn't been on it for three weeks, okay? So I... I didn't use it at all, and then you lose your tolerance again, and if you take a small amount again, you have to build up your tolerance. Right. And I smoked some, and I ate some, and nothing happened. I didn't get high at all, uh, which I should have done to find out retroactively that the stuff was active and it was just crummy junk that uh, unfortunately came my way because it's sometimes illegal. and Well, it was illegal, and, and you can get ripped off, so people can take advantage. And I'd had several good batches of of cannabis that I synthesized into my own oil, uh, but this batch wasn't any good. So We should uh, just talk a little bit about uh, Rick Simpson. Yeah. Now, he, my understanding was he used to work in a hospital. He was an engineer. Yeah. And he contracted uh, skin cancer, possibly from working with asbestos. Mm hmm And he... He uh, had read somewhere, I think it was in a medical journal, about um, uh, cannabis oil uh, killing cancer cells in mice. So he applied it topically. Right. The cancer was gone, but he mm -hmm. couldn't get anyone to, any doctor to sort of acknowledge. To vouch for it. Yeah, That's it's right. really difficult. <laughs> and then at a certain point, he was growing, I think he was, when he was arrested, he had 2,600 plants or something. Yeah. Oh, that sounds nice. And they, uh, anyway, so uh, I'm not sure where Rick Simpson is today. I've heard he was sort of. I heard uh, he was in Croatia, but I don't really know yeah. that. Uh, I'd like to find out. I see him pop up on Facebook or what have you in videos at time to time. Seems fairly recent, you know, so I, I know he's out there someplace. But listen, we have to know who Rick Simpson is. This is the guy that pioneered the thing that got me through. Yeah. And I'm not the first guy. I'm just the first guy with a big mouth that used to be on television that wants to get everybody that, anybody that's remembering that I was on the show Air Force. He used to play different characters and Im imitations. I was on there for 10 or 12 years. So if you remember me, maybe, maybe you don't recognize me with long hair and glasses things have happened stuff's changed but i want to tell these people that i am reachable you can find me on the internet listen to green crush we're telling everybody what's going on with the laws and the science and the law and and and, and the history and the impact of it and um tell us about uh, the podcast green crush where can we uh, hear it well you can hear it on uh, youtube you can dial it up on you know green crush allen park check it out there google it up uh, we've got a we've got a page uh, uh, Green Crush at Podbean uh, dot com. Probably screwing that up. My manager's freaking out. Sorry, Kim. Um, Look that up, Albert, if you could. Yeah, to make sure that we have that the right up. one. It's all new. It might be mostly focused on the content rather than the the uh, corporate handles of where you can find it. But it's on iTunes and and Stitcher, all the platforms. And uh, well, just tell me, uh, what is it? Is it like a 45 minutes? Or how, how, what's the length and the format? What it's do you... been hitting about an hour and ten for some reason. Okay. Just let me get a drink here. 
All right. It's Podbean. I have to say, it's, po- it's on Podbay? Podbean. 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 Yeah. Okay, yes, it is. So, if and I have to say, I really enjoy talking on an actual telephone. This is so pleasurable compared to the fighting with the uh, the electronic, you know, what's every day. There you go. Um, How about that? We, we, we forgot about talking into a telephone. Well, Green Crush <laughs> is this. The green, of course, is the cannabis. The crush, of course, is that it's crushing the cancer. And it's also going to crush the laws that are preventing access. Because you can't say it's not a helpful medical property. I'm just so sorry. As long as people keep saying, oh, it's only anecdotal. Well, this is my anecdote. I'm still here. I was told it wasn't going to be. So I'm on the other side of the card. I feel like I sat through the movie. I stayed for the funny stuff at the end of the Avengers, and they started playing a different movie, and they didn't ask me for a ticket. There you go. Yeah, you even sat through the uh, the Hal Needham uh, yuck-yuck reel at the end of Cannonball Run. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. And I really feel like that. This is all bonus to me. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons why it's still illegal. And we hear about, you know, seatbelts and and blowing heavy uh, in the cars. There's a lot of other things. Well, medical marijuana, though, is not. I mean, medical marijuana is not. So, um, Well, the promotion of medical marijuana is not about Rick Simpson oil currently. No. It's about its symptomatic relief for your chemo or its symptomatic relief for your radiation. And, yes, we know it puts you to sleep. But what they're not getting to is the fully restorative in the endocannabinoid system. Because once you start using the endocannabinoid system and priming that pump with this oil, now you're tipping out. The, the, the endocrine system, the, the endocannabinoid system is now functioning with the brain. That's part of the brain, which does have a gateway. They call it a gateway drug, and they just backed off of that. They said marijuana is a gateway drug to terrible other things. And now they've backed off that because the science is showing it, and that, that was a lie, just like the war on drugs. But the best thing about it is it is a gateway drug. They were right about the gateway. They were just wrong about what, too. It's a gateway to that brain stem that's attached to the endocannabinoid system. And here you go with juicing up your hypothalamus. Look it up. Picking up uh, action on your thalamus. You're using the different parts of your brain. I know there's a ton of people right now laughing. Good. Have a good time laughing at the fact that while you can also work out your body, you can grease it up with this oil. With this oil, and it helps you facilitate those different parts in your brain that are often ignored. The, the hypothalamus, the pineal gland, which opens up into seeing all kinds of things. And um, we do know that the brain is a key tool because uh, the powers that be, of course, the other section of this show, the conspiracy angle, they, they, do like to, um, they do like to put things into the amygdala. That's the fear center. You can't govern this place. This crazy world, like you said, is upside down. Uh, you can't govern it without fear. And they know this. The science is there. They're, this is part of the reason why they're delaying things. So that's why I'm happy to be on your show, because it is about cannabis and helping yourself. But there's reasons why it's been uh, off the market for 100 years as a medicine. Well, that's right. I mean, it used to be found in every doctor's uh, little black bag was a little bit of of cannabis oil. That's right. Yeah, it's amazing stuff. Well, it bears repeating, uh, Alan, you were diagnosed stage four prostate, stage four prostate cancer, Mm -hmm. and it had metastasized. It was in your bones. I mean, that's lights out. Yeah. Except when you can arrest and reverse it, it's not lights out, because here I sit. Now, it strictly didn't lead to the cannabis doing that. I also found out about heavy-duty vitamin C infusion. I took some in my arms. There's a controversy there about that right now, but I skipped past that anyway with a thing called liposomal vitamin C. Liposomal vitamin C was something that came to me while I was experiencing 
the uh, THC capacity of cannabis. So let's not get all fixated about removing the THC. Let's take this out. It's immoral if somebody is to happen to open a different part of their mind. You just keep it all together, whole plant, take it all in, amino acids, proteins, uh, um, you know, everything is in there that you need. You should be taking it every day. You should be juicing it like wheatgrass, making ice cubes out of it, and taking it in <laughs> daily so that it's a nutrient. And I'm saying this about the male plants as well. I know a lot of the guys like to sell, you know, the female plants are what, you know, causes the psychotic psychosis that everybody's afraid of and reefer madness, the getting high part. But what you need here is the male plants are also a very much helpful function. Juice them up and eat them as well. All right, Alan, we are out of time. But listen, oh, let's... Uh, let's. No, I'm not. That's the cool thing. <laughs> yes, you are not out of time. <laughs> we are out of time. God Thanks, bless you, me. Alan. Again, Thanks the lot, uh, Green Crush... It's uh, the podcast is available at Podbean. Thanks very much. All and right, YouTube and Google, check it out. All the best. Thanks. My thanks to Ian Robertson, Albert Vinzel, Ryan White. Back next week, Jeremy Kagan directed Columbo, Chicago Hope, West Wing, also uh, Roswell, the movie. He'll be here to talk about that. His new movie, Shot, with uh, Noah Wiley. Rosemary Ellen Guiley will be here as well. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. <laughs>